This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Fakatani by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well indeed. How is your week going so far? Um, the week is going well so far. Um, we have Jack and I both at home this week. Jack's not been feeling very well, so I'm working from home. Jack's working from home, and all in, all is well in the world. And you? I'm working from home, although I went to work yesterday for the first time in about a month. I didn't have a reason to go into work. I just went in and showed my face, and now they know I exist again, so I left again. Perfect. That's a good setup. I'm much more productive at home. And who are we introducing today? It is my great pleasure to introduce Gary Cabinney. Gary is a personal and business risk advisor who I've known for, we just worked out, 18 years um, and in that time, uh, I have seen him help so many people. So it's a real joy to get to talk to you today, Gary. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you, Mawera. Welcome, Sam. W- welcome, Gary. Where are you, Gary? I'm based in sunny Cambridge. Uh, I've been here for the last 18 years now. It must have been something after we met Mawera, we decided to leave Pataru to come to sunny Cambridge. No, no, it was more of a family uh, connection we didn't have to be based in Pataru after my new job. So I've been in sunny Cambridge for 18 years and I have a home office. It's about 10 or 12 square metres. And unlike you, I can't go to the office to, uh, <laughs> to get motivated, but I've got to find it myself. Mm. So we've been asking people how their bubble life was and how their traffic light was, is. How was your bubble life? Bubble one or bubble two? Well, we'll do them both. Um, okay. Well, bubble one was, <clears throat> I remember when that happened, my daughter was about to fly into the country. I think it was Wednesday was when we shut our borders and she flew in five to midnight into Canterbury. And then I was in, in Hamilton on the main street, Victoria Street, on the Monday when we went from, I think, it was level two on the Saturday to level four announcement on the Monday. And the street was absolutely clear as a bell you could run you know it was just no traffic around everybody was taking uh, that shock in so uh, since so that was bubble one our bubble was my two sons a uh, 25 year old and a 22 year old and my wife and I and uh, we just continued business as usual as ever I guess everyone was a bit shell-shocked by that we kept going out for our regular walks and that was quite amazing when we'd walk around Leamington's suburb of Cambridge um, and it was so dead quiet. We didn't see anyone. But one night, 
we were working, walking home and the policeman stopped us because I was carrying a piece of firewood that somebody had trimmed off their tree and it was very sticky, I remember. And he pulled over and asked us how we were. Hmm. Did he want to know about the piece of firewood? No, he didn't. No, I just said, look, we appreciate the hard work you guys are going. You know, those, the guys on the front line uh, are seriously stressed or can be seriously stressed. Um, and they take that stress home to their families and their communities with what they have to face. So, yeah, I was quite affirming of them, but it's just interesting. We were the only one who did a, did a U-turn and didn't put the flashing lights on this time. But, uh, yeah, it was just so quiet, and and um, you could normally that street would have about 10 or 15 cars going down there, and there was just nothing. As if there was a quarantine, as if there was a, um, well, they call it a curfew was on, but it was just a voluntary one. And did life get back to normal in in Cambridge? I don't know what life is like for normal in Cambridge. I just think of horses and rowers and cyclists. So I'm sure there's more to, Ham- to Cambridge than that. Well, there are. There are oak trees. Um, there are rest homes, a growing another growing industry. And um, we're also, I think we're adding another 10 or 20,000 new houses coming in the next three or four years uh, with with Aucklanders now connecting with Cambridge with a new expressway or motorway, uh, we're getting more commuters, so it is growing as a, as a community. So it was quieter in town. I remember the first day of lockdown going up to Countdown, and they even had a police presence there. I'm not sure why that was. Uh, everyone was outside lining up, and that was before before masks, but, but they used to get these blue gloves. Remember the blue hand gloves used to put on? It used to keep the um, the cans of vegetables safe, I think. But, um, yeah. So, I suppose we have to start with first, what does a risk assessor do? And then the second follow-up yeah. question is, how has COVID affected that? Oh, thank you. What I do for a business is I sit down with people and work out their personal risk matters. So if they died prematurely or if they got sick, or they had a serious uh, injury or disease, then the what I can offer them is um, solutions to that, providing them money. We can't make them better, but we can actually provide them that they have the resources to access medical and, and treatments or uh, supporting their families. So we're getting the right money at the, for the right reasons to the right people. So that's what I do, just working out what they've got, what they need, and um, some people can self-fund through their own reserves, assets they can sell, inheritances they may receive, and making sure that anything untoward happens to them, they have the funds to maintain stability because life can be so devastating uh, when a premature death occurs or a serious event that stops you working um, or working life to its full. And has COVID affected it? Uh, yes, I haven't seen as many people. Um, I, I suspect COVID has affected my level of motivation of seeing people, but I can continue keeping in touch with them. With COVID, with the insurance industry, which I'm associated with, there's been a lot of um, Zoom meetings from New Zealand, Advice New Zealand and from different providers. There are weekly um, um, Zoom meetings covering different aspects of the, of the industry. Uh, this industry in particular has got new legislation that's coming in or has coming into force where register, uh, you're going to be registered with the regulator requiring uh, certain 
processes, business continuity plans, um, locum support, um, complaints procedures, making sure the advice that we give people is sound and if we do uh, get things wrong, then we have a process to solve that and also understanding the client's needs first, which is how I operate anyway because what's the point in providing a person a solution if they don't have a problem? Lots of people have told us that one of the things that the pandemic has done is given them an opportunity to reassess their priorities. And in most cases, what they mean is it's not about necessarily working all the time. It's about the importance of family and, and those sorts of things. Are you seeing that in, in the people you're talking to? Uh, yes. Yep. People have making new connections and um, people are concerned about what the future holds. Mm. Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have Eclipse 6, His Eye is on the Sparrow. Why this one? Well, it talks about, um, from a Christian perspective, why why worry about the sparrow? Because I think the Gospels teach us that um, Jesus said, don't worry about the sparrow, God takes care of them. And, and then it goes on, I sing because I'm happy, I sing because I'm free. And that sort of buoys the spirit. And as you go through tough times in life, you realise that uh, that there is a God who cares and loves for us. And a lot of people frame that in different ways. Um, and when you see evidences of his uh, care and blessing, uh, you have reasons to reflect on it with joy. Yeah. 
Before the song, you said it's an opportunity to reflect with joy. Do you think that the pandemic has been that opportunity to do that reflection? And are you seeing joy? That's a very profound question. Thank you for asking that. Um, yes and no. You can see uh, opportunities of connecting with people which we haven't been able to before on, on, on our social and community levels. Um, it's been interesting to see people as they've been going through the pandemic and the different restrictions and requirements just as we walk the two kilometres return to the post office every day seeing different people and they see you and they, now I'm getting waves from people you don't know who the heck they were or, or you may talk to them in the street and they know us and we don't know them from Adam as it were um, so some people have and some people have taken it um, uh, it's seriously has uh, affected their health and mental health in particular, you know. Um, so have we seen joy? Yes, we have. We've been able to get stuff done around the house. Um, we used to, um, we were painting on the first lockdown uh, and at one o'clock everything stopped to hear the news and um, it had some new traditions that we've started or habits. Mm. The theme of this show is positive but not deluded how do you balance those two or maybe it's not a a relationship that involves a balance but what's the relationship between for you between that that positive mindset and a not being deluded perhaps a the ability to be critical and, and, to, and to look at the, the the harder side thank you so some people have false hopes and others uh, are realistic with their hopes and I guess um, without hope, people or nations perish. Um, and as we see in, in history where great leaders have uh, rallied their nations when there have been crises or catastrophes uh, at their doorstep, 
uh, been the great moments of life. So as individuals, we need to realise that the best is yet to come, knowing that, yes, we may have lost our jobs, we may have lost our businesses, uh, we may have even lost our accommodation, or we may have been kicked out uh, of, of our accommodation because of circumstances beyond their control. There is always a better, better narrative and a better hope ahead of us. Is hopefulness a thing that we can teach someone, Gary, do you think? Well, that's a great question, Mawera. I guess that hope is like fear. It's just an emotion, isn't it? Or a, a mindset. And so you can always look for the, the positive side of what's happening. Um, a lot of my clients, when I'm talking about worst-case scenarios, uh, when I'm doing my needs analysis, they say, well, well, if that happens to everybody else, well, we'll all be in the same boat. And I'm thinking, yeah, but do you want to be in that space, you know? And so we can offer confidence for the future for people. Um, so can we teach hope? Well, I guess it depends what your source of your hope is. Some, I was just talking to a lady last night, and she was saying some communities, their hope is benefit day or pub day or supermarket day because they can actually binge or get their um, creature, have creature comforts sorted on that day. But it's only short term and it's fleeting. And so I need, we need to teach people that there is hope beyond today. Um, and it all depends on your worldview, I suspect. That's, um, you're talking about uh, before about talking to people about their, you know, the future and those the challenges that are inevitable, I think, a lot of times. And I guess that's what risk, risk management is all, is all about. How do you teach people how to think into the future? Because this is this seems to be a real issue, especially with our young ones at the moment, is the inability for them to be able to imagine a future ahead of them. Yes, that's a, another insightful question. Um, and I guess each generation has struggled with their youth uh, thinking ahead. I think Socrates or even one of those Greek philosophers or those guys had problems with their youth. Uh, not thinking of the future. And that wasn't in the context of pandemics or incoming invasions, I guess. But, yeah, it's a great, how do we give, how do we pass on wisdom from this, our generation to the generation that's coming coming on, you know? Uh, how do we transfer that knowledge? Is it caught or is it taught? Do you think that the speed at which things are changing in our world at the moment and the there's so many unknowns, like the unprecedented space that we're living in right now, does that have an impact on people's ability to imagine the future when you're having those conversations with them about those things that they need to be prepared for or they could be prepared for? Your change is one of the constants, isn't it? And how do we manage that? Because people's circumstances may change very rapidly. One day you're happy, next minute you've got a family catastrophe on your hands and you need to be there to support those people. Because of the uncertainty, that provides opportunities for people to talk and think through their circumstances. There are a lot of folks who, um, who haven't even considered that. And so what, would, what happens if you lose your job? What, what are you going to sell first? Is it the car, the jet ski, the helicopter? Are you going to move out? Are you, what are you going to do to pay the mortgage, the rents, the repayments on the jet ski and so on and so forth? And some people have never thought that far ahead. Um, and I guess that's a mature perspective. A lot of people just go with the flow and don't think of what's coming tomorrow 
than just living for the moment, which has its benefits. Um, but those who do plan um, actually come out better than those who plan to fail by not planning. I'd be really sad if I had to sell my helicopter and my jet ski, you know. What, what else would I put on the helipad? <laughs> It'd be terrible. Well, there's always the opportunity, opportunity of extending the chook house, isn't there? <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> so thinking about those kind of decisions when people make them, do you think that we are as resilient today as we, you know, we've always... We, always been classed as a very resilient group of people New Zealanders our ability to to uh, to change and adapt to the to whichever wind is blowing do you think that uh, we are still like that I think yeah that's a good question I know that there's some people who um, previous generations most guys could do most things around the house and and have those skills now young people fiddled around in sheds and tinkered with motors and bikes and things. But I think COVID's introduced a opportunity for people to return to some of that tinkering and learning new skills. I don't have that skill set yet, emphasise on yet, because I know my wife will be listening to this, but it's quite challenging um, where we have actually got, some people got less skills, but then we've had the opportunity to grow those. It's all about balance and saying, well, uh, we need to have a broader approach so we can, by having that, those um, different approaches, you can actually look at things in different perspectives. For example, if you're an academic, you look at the policies, the principles, the outcomes and the environment, perhaps. And if you are an engineer, you're looking at the structural integrity and the, and the different aspects of, of, of form and function. And if you are a builder, then you just don't think about those previous two necessarily you just know how to do it and there's so many different aspects on of, of looking at those things and so as a nation we perhaps lost that number eight why mentality as we become more domesticated more reliant on our smartphones uh, our connection with smartphones with our, our our friends and and so on on social networks oh, Gary you just were uh, talking about um, smartphones uh, and I spend a lot of time thinking about our children and this reliant on the reliance on smartphones and devices and uh, do you think that we're headed in the right direction with our full embracing of technology right from when our children are young or are we missing something? Well that's a good another good question I know there's a book um, I'm talking about early child education, better late than never. And uh, research suggests that when our children learn later in life, they actually learn faster and quicker and more more well-adjusted. And yet I see my grandchildren and others who are, are getting onto devices or videos and things at an earlier age, which I didn't have experience to. And we know how med media on the mind actually retards uh, intellectual thinking and stuff like that, and it's a place where values are inculcated subtly or even subliminally to our children, and who knows what the long-term damage is of those things. It was interesting, I was on a webinar last week, uh, I think it was Clear Head or Clear Mind or something, put it, uh, sponsored by NIB, and they were just talking about the endorphin hit people can get and also the endorphin abstinence thing of, of breaking uh, a habit and not having that 
hit, um, that, that endorphin hit and starting new habits and things. And, and with all these electronic games and devices is actually creating uh, instant gratification without the long slog and the long endurance and suffering and patience on trying to get a project sorted to just get the instant or just buying in credit or something. You know, I, I believe that's available. Um, but technology has been good in connecting people during COVID as well. You know, um, um, I recall our first church service, which we did on Zoom. Well, that was a total failure when it came to singing because everybody's internet connection was different and the music was at a different pace or tone. And, oh, that we just never sung after that. It was so much safer not to. Um, but um, it's enabled people to connect. But then um, you could also lose folks as well with those type of platforms. Um, I was talking to someone else who was uh, talking about a similar experience. This was uh, kapahaka practice. Yes. Uh, and what they realised is as long as they had somebody strong leading it and everyone else muted, people could sing in the, in the comfort of their own home, uh, and, uh, but with the leader instead of, you know, trying yeah. to make a choir from the whole group. Uh, and Absolutely. That worked, yeah, yeah. And, and, if, and, and if you've seen some of these online choirs, how they might have 40 or 50 individuals all synced in with the music, that's an amazing technological advancement when you realise how difficult it is on Zoom. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yep. I think they're recording remotely and recombining. Yes, I think that's the, how they do it. Yeah, very clever tech guys, um, and I know one who could do that. Um, but, yeah, it's a lot of, lot of hard work. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokadui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mihi rānu, kia koutou, koutou hoho. I hope you're all having a start, you're beautiful stars, you're beloved universes, and I really hope wherever you are, whatever's happening around this journey that we're all on together, moving to be very rewarding, very sustaining, and illuminating for you more and more each day. Who you are, and of nature's are perfect, unique, and here, making better. Thank you. Now, I know that for us all the last two years, there's been such a variety of new experiences. I've had to traverse and scale and leap and pirouette and all sorts of things over various obstacles. We've all done very, very well, and I think we should all feel proud. And most of all, I think we should look back at this time and acknowledge our successes, acknowledge our real accomplishments, acknowledge our strength, acknowledge our deep, deep knowing that has guided us through this time and acknowledge the part that all life is playing, this covalent of which we are constantly a part, a vital part. I've had a very interesting day today. As always, I'm so grateful to have well manifested at this time and I think for all of us, we have come to be at this time because we are needed at this time. We have such important gifts to share. And here we are able to share them. How wonderful, how lucky we are. And of course, at times when we are feeling overwhelmed by the construct of creation and the machinations of the human world, it's such a gift to be able to return to that bigger picture of our true home, the living world, and find the comfort and the reassurance and the affirmation and that expansive sense of who we are, that spaciousness. 
Also, of course, the peace and tranquility and beauty that we can find within ourselves, reflected in the external world. And I had a lovely, lovely time paddleboarding. Of course, my current absolute obsession at the Orokanui Estuary. And of course, I followed about at the other end of this beautiful place with multiple hundreds of thousands of people over the last 13 years as part of my role at my heart's home of Canary Eco Sanctuary, but I had never ever ventured forth to the other side of estuary on my two legs, let alone on my two legs on a paddleboard, so it was very exciting. And of course this got me thinking about how so often there are places that are so close to us that we might never know are there for so long until someone else shows us. And in this case, it was my dear friend Alice who told me about her favourite spot. And again, this is a reminder to us that constantly surrounding us are all of these beautiful living stories in the form of our fellow living beings. And by taking the time to sit and be receptive and listen, the great pearls of wisdom cascade down upon us and we receive this beautiful beautiful new knowledge as a result and so I really hope for you that you're having the opportunity and the time and the space that you need to be in that state of receptivity and that in that state you're able to really enjoy the messages and the new learnings that are there for you but also in turn that your knowledge your knowing your understandings your stories are being heard and appreciated. And that's something, of course, that I really love about this show, that we're connecting with these living stories all over the world and sharing and caring for them and hearing them, loving them. So thank you so much for having me. A huge thank you to Sam and the whole Blowing Bubbles team, to all of you, and I look forward to talking again soon. Thanks so much. Kakite. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Gary Cavani. Gary, we've seen lots of changes in society over the last couple of years. What do you think is going to stick? And perhaps more importantly, what do you hope will stick? What's going to happen? The positive stuff that's going to stick after the COVID uh, incursion um, is people's willingness to be more patient, uh, especially with technology, uh, with um, there's also the, the willingness of people to reach out to others. Uh, there are a lot of people in our community who are very isolated and they're isolated for a reason, I guess, and, and, and they like, some people just like being by themselves. So we just need to have the capacity to um, have the desire to connect with people, uh, just, just to let them know that others care about them. And there's also the the uh, the emphasis on I understand electric bikes and bicycles in in general have increased in sales since COVID nineteen has hit as people being able to get out and exercise and fresh air and sunshine. There's also the desire for some to start vegetable gardens and knowing to get resilience and for their own homes and own food with with um, seeing the, the blessings and the miracle of putting one seed in and harvesting many many plants that produce dozens of seeds and also getting higher levels of nutrition, fresh air and sunshine, which is so good for general health in, in particular. So there's also um, 
the good things of COVID is uh, we know now how to sanitise our hands when we move into buildings. Uh, we can now activate our smartphones for uh, scanning in for um, tracing purposes. And also uh, a lot of little cottage industries or habits or hobbies people set up, some making bread and some crocheting and knitting and others doing all sorts of other creative things. Do you think we're looking at a return to a business as usual or is it a, a new normal, a, a business as unusual? What are we looking for? Well, that's a very insightful question. It all depends. Um, the World Economic Forum have a different perspective. They call it the a Great Reset. Um, there have, in the marketplace, for example, we've had a t 10 years of, of above average returns for our investment portfolios, KiwiSaver in particular, which I have I give advice on and there has to be a correction and then just from old um, sixth form or economics studies time when you have this thing called a Kondratov wave a Russian economist said every 50 years there's a cycle and you could trace it back for generations and there's these general cycles that happen and things are overvalued and they have to be corrections. So from the marketplace, uh, are our values too high? And we've got lots and lots of cheap money that drives up asset prices. And people overextend, and then the values of their assets fall. Um, but if, when they start losing their job because the economy shrinks, then we have all sorts of issues. So uh, are we oh, – I've forgotten your question, sorry. Is it a new normal? Is a that new, new normal? normal? Is it? Is it? You know, that doesn't sound like a very pleasant. I mean, you, you, it might get described as a as a correction, but if it's somebody's KiwiSaver losing value, it's that's that's pretty hard to to accept. Well, it is KiwiSaver's long term savings. Uh, you diversify it into hundreds of companies with every dollar you spend, so it's safe from that perspective. But when the tide goes out, everything falls. But you've still got those underlying assets which have been purchased based on the values that you have assigned to the fund manager to look invest for you. So, And they're always looking for sound opportunities. And there's been a lot of opportunities as well in the marketplaces. So the corrections happen anyway in the marketplace, but I don't think we've seen one for many years. And, and you and I may have, have great aunts or grandparents, if they're still around, uh, who remember the harsh days of the 1930s and the 40s uh, when corrections happened. But... Uh, we've we've saved ourselves, as it were, over over time by pump, by increasing liquidation of money or the flow of money through the economies. Do you think that there are any lessons from the pandemic and the pandemic response for the bigger sorts of questions that we face as a global society? And I'm thinking of things like climate change or, or social justice on on the large scale, biodiversity, all those sorts of things that we can't perhaps fix by going and working at home for a few weeks? Yes, it was interesting how, from the economy, how um, nitrate levels fell significantly in China when they fell from satellite pictures and sound levels dropped to the lowest levels in Auckland City. I remember re reading that or just watching it on the news um, and the clearing of skies and things. And So I guess we're doing things a little bit smarter. Uh, it could be an answer to city congestion. Um, but 
there's this thing called cabin fever as well that people have had to cope with fear for going outside in case they caught something. After the first lockdown, maybe that's because we felt safe because the border was closed, we did all rush back. The, the, I remember the first football game in, in Dunedin at the stadium was, was a huge celebration. But the first football game, and it was, I don't know if it was full, but it was it was a lot of people there. But this weekend, there wasn't that many people there. We, we're not feeling so safe this time. Yeah, so of course you've got this Omicron too, causing people to responsibly isolate if they feel or have infected family members as well. And that has affects things. I know the traffic around Cambridge is nothing like it used to be. And the traffic in Hamilton and so on is very low because of, people being off work but I think once we get over this um, it'll return to normal as far as people traveling to work and schools I think today did they say that 40 percent 40 percent or 60 percent of kids haven't been going to school recently because of Omicron concerns and that has a huge impact on traffic um, and people's movement around the community yeah so as what I'm saying is once that passes through then you'll probably see numbers back in the stadium stadiums increasing as people feel more confident to go out because in the past you had the flu you'd you'd have a take a hanky with you and take a cough drop and you're off you go you know but now you're a lot more responsible yeah they've changed although i see that there is the the cold and flu medicine adverts are slightly coming back but they're about feeling better while you're at home there's no notion of soldiering on anymore Let's take the second of your music choices. Let's have Steve Darmody of The Holy City. Why this one? Well, I have, I don't have much music on my phone. I normally stream music. And this piece of music reminds me in 1983 when I was in Tahiti. And we were at a church function on a Saturday night. And this lady played this piece of music and sung it. And it was unbelievable. And that just brings memories back of, of Tahiti, uh, that beautiful French Polynesian cu- country or island in the South Pacific. And uh, it's quite a majestic piece of music. And it's a little bit like other songs, like You'll Never Stand Alone. It sort of inspires hope and confidence. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, 
And then me thought my dream was changed, the streets no longer rang. Hushed were the glad hosannas, the little children sang. The sun grew dark with mystery, the morn was cold and chill. As the shadow of a cross arose upon a lonely hill, as the shadow of a cross arose upon a lonely hill, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, hark how the some questions to end the show with what is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years in from work wise um i guess one of the biggest wins i've had with work wise is sitting down with people finding out what they've got and getting information back from the existing insurance companies and finding that because nobody had taken the time to review their covers that they they had been overpaying too much premium 
And so getting a $15,000 to $20,000 refund to a client was a great win. Um, or finding where, and I recently I had another one, it was $7,500 where the insurance company hadn't actually cancelled something when they should have, and the insurance company honoured their mistake and paid back the client that money, just returning what was should have been right in the correct right position, but the client is certainly happy that we were able to um, to help them out in that way and to build credibility in the advice process that I give. Um, the other uh, achievement was uh, 50, uh, in the last month or so, around the bays, Auckland just had its 50-year anniversary. And um, I remember my dad went into the first or the second one, and I think I started on the third. And it was then started, I think it started in Queen Street, and then it started at um, Victoria Park. Um, and I remember Sir Robert Muldoon, uh, the then Prime Minister, patting me on the head. So I don't know if I've ever been the same since. But... Um, AIA, one of my providers, invited me to join the virtual um, Round the Bays race. This time I was walking with my wife and we were walking alone out to Karapiro, which is a beautiful walk from Leamington, uh, to do the, um, the 8K walk or run. So that was another one on the physical side where we had that. I thought, wow, 50 years has gone. Where's that gone? It'd be quite a different experience not being shoulder to shoulder with several thousand. Correct, and there were no no one offering us water on the side or hoses to cool us down, and we didn't have the humidity of um, Auckland to contend with. And I'm still waiting for my virtual, I guess it will be coming, our, our medal for doing it, but um, that was an achievement back in the 19, back in the 1970s, yeah. We're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. What's your superpower? I like to be analytical, like to help people out with their, uh, with their needs, um, the little showing a bit of discernment of what, what, what the future can hold and making sure they've got some levels of protection, uh, making sure that their targets and goals and aspirations are achieved if either of their partners or the family members can't make it, allowing people to access um, or showing them the benefits of considering med- private medical insurance so they can actually get the procedure or the diagnostics done sooner so they know the doctors know what they're dealing with so they can get some healing or care for that um so yeah i think caring is important also working with authentic or, or having authentic desire to do good and to do the things right all the time um and also identifying any conflict of interest so uh the client knows where they're at so they can discern if we're leading along giving the right story do you consider yourself to be an activist? I think we're all activists in some... Uh, I, I guess activism is, is a, um, a continuum. If it's activating my son to remember to clear the dishwasher or clean his room or trying to encourage uh, societal values to change in a positive way, um, it, it has different aspects. You know, um, Choosing certain lifestyle choices is, is a form of activism. Um, for instance, in a very not surface way, but a, like for example, uh, composting at home, so you're reducing your landfill requirements, then by, thereby producing nutritious soil for your vegetables, is a form of activism because it reduces our dependency on the marketplace for our fruit and veggies. It reduces our requ- uh, requirement on fertilisers to be purchased into the property, and so just choosing to walk rather than to try take our car, reducing costs and increasing benefits yeah what motivates you what gets you out of bed in the morning 
Well, a lot of things. Wanting to do good um, and realizing that uh, without um, to do to do good to be a, to be a blessing to my family, my community, and to our nation as a whole. And the the small bits make up the whole. And um, trying to be a positive influence in people's lives. What's the biggest challenge or opportunity that you're looking forward to? Well, greatest challenge. Well, we've got within our business, we've got challenges uh, with the new regulations and getting to speed for that. Um, uh, the biggest challenges in our communities is getting people connected and remaining connected with people. Uh, also, being uh, prosperous enough to be able to uh, support our families and our, and our uh, special our special interests that we have. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Well, that's a good, another good. You have some great questions. Um, thank you for those. So, any advice to people? Yes, I guess it's it's to be um, to remember that uh, to be to have a positive outlook in life, and sometimes we need to take have interventions to do that. I was like good nutrition and good exercises, which is the key to good health. Uh, also, having uh, good access to exercise, fresh water, sunshine. Uh, also, rest is important, and also trust in divine power to to bring you through. And it's a holistic approach to life because if you're only focusing on exercise without nutrition or fresh air without sunshine, uh, you get out of balance and your body's cope um, react to that. Thank you for that, Moera. Mary. In all the years I've known you, I've seen you do some amazing things for people. You're so kind and you actually really care. And it's just, it's so nice because, you know, I think sometimes people in your industry get a bit of a bad rap uh, and um, you are one person I know for absolutely certain uh, deserves to be uh, considered with respect because that's how you treat other people. And I'm really Thank glad... You chance to hear from you today about um, about your practice and what you do and why you do it uh, and um, I think there's a lot of hopefulness in your corridor and I especially appreciate that. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's been a privilege. Yep.
You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every Monday, Wednesday and Friday afternoons at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is Pink Floyd, Fearless. I'm Samuel Mann and Soyuz Bay Dunedin with Moira Karatai in Fakatani. And in Cambridge, we've been joined by Gary Cavanagh. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. Marty Wild. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.